Well, welcome back to the podcast. I'm recording this um, the week after the 4th of July, so we just celebrated this national holiday for Americans, and I was thinking recently just how American it is that the way we celebrate the birthday of our country is to overindulge, to get intoxicated, and to blow stuff up. Uh, just how American is that? Um, I, I also just think it's it's healthy to be able to poke fun at ourselves, to laugh at ourselves, to not take ourselves too seriously. We can celebrate the good while also recognizing our missteps and, of course, continue to try to improve and grow and get better. So, to all of my American listeners, which I assume is most of you, happy belated 4th of July. May we continue to grow in liberty and justice for all. Because, newsflash, we are not there yet. But we can keep trying to figure it out. We can keep working together to try to live up to these ideals as a nation. So, some a few things I'm working on right now. Uh, thank you to those of you who have been following along in the podcast. The last couple episodes, we've been talking with Alex Marshall, and he has been uh, sharing, uh, opening the window into his past life for us about his road to addiction and incarceration. And we're going to pick that up soon with a part three that really is focusing on his story of recovery. And the, the point of that is to really hope to inspire others along their journey towards sobriety and freedom, liberation from whatever it is that is uh, oppressing you. If that is an addiction, um, then that is one of the reasons I'm having these conversations is to help help people um, give some more tools in their toolbox. Also, I am almost finished with the audible version of my book, Meditations from the Mount. And this is the form that it was meant to be experienced all along because the audible audiobook is going to be right alongside the music, the songs, songs from the Mount. And so you'll be able to uh, hear those things side by side, back to back, uh, because really it's one big project all based on Jesus's Sermon on the Mount. We've got the songs and we've got some meditations and it's all trying to get us to learn from the wisdom that was uh, spoken about, preached uh, on the Mount. So you can keep up with all of that uh, by following me on my Instagram, Kyle Sigmund, or my Facebook artist page, which is Kyle Sigmund. And I, I try to let people know what's going on uh, on those places. I also have a website, www.kylesigmund.com, where I will keep people uh, in the know from that website. So now on to our topic of today. So this episode is going to be based on my last musical release, an EP called Limitless One. And I've already shared uh, on a previous episode uh, the episode called Limits, uh, more or less, because we need more and we need 
less. Uh, that song, or that podcast was, that episode was really inspired by my song Limitless. And I continue to need to learn these hard lessons in life about limits and boundaries and also where those are helpful, where we need them, and where we need to do away with them. Uh, I'm still learning those hard lessons, uh, trust me. Uh, But this episode is now turning to the other song on that EP called One. And I'm going to play that song at the end of this episode, so stick around for that. But before that, I just want to share a little bit uh, of what's behind this song. It, it seems like a pretty simple praise and worship song. I, I wrote it for our worshiping community here in Blowing Rock, North Carolina, Faith Bridge United Methodist Church. But behind it, there really is some pretty deep um, theological ideas and implications. And I'm only really only going to focus on one. Uh, no pun intended there because the name of the song is one. Uh, but one crucial theological idea. And it's this idea of the Trinity. Now, okay, before... Before you completely check out and write all this stuff off, before you do that, I just I want to share a little bit about what I mean when I say uh, this is theological or talking about theology. So theology, it isn't about just memorizing a bunch of words that old white dudes have said. Okay, and it's not about um, indoctrination or brainwashing or anything like that. It's more about uh, a process of expanding our imagination, of stirring our hearts, of opening us to the Spirit. That is, uh, an experience with the divine, or something greater than ourselves. In a way that's life-giving, in a way that, you know, Uh, gives us some language to keep wrestling with our search for truth, for our search for meaning and for purpose in our lives. It's really all about renewing our minds. So theological concepts typically come from a narrative, uh, and that's because you can really play with story. You can really uh, view it from different angles, and this helps us Uh, continue to grow in truth by, again, renewing our minds, not trying to narrow them down. So, a side note, I really believe that theology is and should be integrated with all the ways in which we search for truth. So, like all of the sciences and history and sociology, you know, psychology and philosophy, all of these things work together and should be integrated in our search for truth and meaning and meaning and knowledge, even if they aren't all talking about the same thing or the same topics, and they're not talking about it in the same way. So theology is more in the arena of art, music, dance. You know, it speaks to areas of life that are not easily observed, measured, or tested. So all that to say, uh, my song one 
has this key theological concept at the core of it. At the center of this song, I'm talking about this thing we call the Trinity. You know, the Trinity is this unique Christian concept from the Christian tradition. And it's basically talking about God being one and God being three at the same time. Now, just saying that right there blows our minds because how can there be something or some idea of one and three at the exact same time? So whether or not you consider yourself a Christian, I, re- I really want to talk about the power of this concept and how it really can be helpful for all of us to expand the way we think, to expand the way we view uh, the world, the universe, this, this place that we all find ourselves in. I think there's some really deep things going on here when we look at the Trinity. So the, the first thing and probably the, the biggest thing is this idea of of trinity it really does away with our dualistic thinking so what i mean by dualistic thinking i mean our black and white thinking our either or this or that uh and and we are you know understandably we begin thinking this way as 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 we're born we learn right and wrong you know as when, when we're a little kid we are you know, hopefully taught by um, our caregivers some some pretty standard right or wrong, yes or no, you know, left or right. Uh, you know, you, you learn how to think dualistically, and that is on purpose because we need that uh, in the early stages of life. The problem is so many of us just get stuck there, and we never can move beyond the dualistic thinking to realize there's actually more than just two sides uh, of this or that. Uh, and, and honestly, most, in a lot of places, it's a yes and, that there are, that more than one thing can be right at the same time, like three and one. How can two things be right at the same time? time how can how can be there be different perspectives and one doesn't have to be a hundred percent right and one has to, and for the other one to be a hundred percent wrong so you know we have these concepts like good and bad um, and and dual if we are stuck in our dualistic thinking then we're if if any part of it is bad all of it's bad uh, so, which means goodness is hardly ever even seen. You know, it's it's you have to be perfect. You have to see something in in perfection for it to be good, or it's all bad. Uh, day and night, of course. You know, we have these concepts, but like you know, tw- over the twenty four hours of the day, there's there's a lot of time, kind of in between. You know, right or wrong. Um, you know, when you really start thinking about ethics and what's right or wrong, uh, sometimes it's what is the the least wrong thing to do you know so there's a lot of gray area in reality there's a lot more gray than we really uh than we really are comfortable with so that's part of it is is um 
we want there to be dualistic thinking. We want that uh, safety of certainty. But the reality is there's way more gray. There's way more perspectives than just ours or even the person sitting across from us, uh, which means there's always more to learn. There's always uh, more ways for us to grow. You know, when I think about my friend Alex, who I've talked with uh, over the last couple episodes, if you say, well, is Alex a good guy or is he a bad guy? Well, he, of co- in my mind, he's a, of course he's a good guy. He's, he's one of the best guys I know. Um, but then if you look at him on paper, he's got a criminal record, you know, he, so you, some people would say, no, he's a bad guy. Okay. Well, let's, let's make it more personal for yourself. Are you a good person or are you a bad person? Well, with our dualistic brain, you will either be overinflated and thinking, well, I'm good. And so you, you, you're not allowed to even kind of deal with the ways in which you're wrong or with our dualistic black and white thinking brain, we're going to think that we're bad and all we can do is be bad and that we are just going to be down on ourselves and be depressed and think, you know, we're just, we're terrible people because we keep making mistakes. But what's true is that we do make mistakes because we're human, but we also are good. You know, there's, there's good things about us too, you know, and I believe that that is God given. I believe that we are made in the image of God. And, and I'm going to talk about more, I'm going to be talking about that concept later, but so we can also apply this to, are you having a good day? Well, if, if you have this dualistic thinking of good or bad, well, if there's one thing that went wrong, if there's one bad thing and you're thinking, well, no, I didn't have a good day because something bad happened. But you could still have a good day and have bad things happen. Or you could have a bad day and actually, when you think back, you think, well, actually a lot of good came out of that bad day. Or a lot of good things happened on that bad day. So the, this idea of, of Trinity, uh, something being three and one at the same time, it breaks up this dualistic thinking that more than one thing can be true at the same time. So, and that really does lead us away from certainty, which certainty, going back to the first episode I, I recorded, is, is one of those things that we got to get rid of because too much certainty means we are done growing. We're done learning. All right. So I'm going to go now. Um, I'm going to be put on my, my, my preacher, my pastor hat a little bit and dive into a little bit about the, the biblical story. So this person, Jesus, uh, Christian tradition has um, we, we've decided, we've learned, we've seen and experienced this idea that Jesus was one with God and is one with God. So the, we talk about the divinity of Christ, meaning he has this unity with, with God, with the creator, with this, 
um, that which brought forth everything. Jesus is one with God. And yet, when you read the Gospels, you see that Jesus is constantly praying. So is he talking to himself? You know, he, he's looking to God and obviously has some uncertainty about what's going on. I mean, for a great example is in the Garden of Gethsemane when he's, there's this battle of wills between God, the loving parent, and God, the son of, you know, I don't think I really want to, to do this. Um, and yet there's this submission to a greater will or a greater purpose that is kind of going up against what he wants. So there's this uncertainty even within Jesus. And, and, and maybe that's offensive to some Christians, but I'm just looking at that scripture here. But what we talk about and what, what Christian tradition has said, um, and again, when I say tradition, what I mean is we are in an ongoing conversation. So I'm not just talking about empty ritual, just doing things because we've always done it. But, um, and I'm sorry, my dog is going crazy in the background. I hope that's not bothering you as much as it's bothering me. But I'm just going to keep going because uh, this is real life, y'all. Uh, so what I mean by when I talk about tradition, I'm saying when we were born, we didn't have to literally rediscover the wheel and fire and you know we've learned things over the years and so it's like we we continue this conversation uh in all of these areas of theology and of science and in uh in art um all of these things it's a continuing conversation so that's what i mean when i say tradition so when i say the christian tradition we have this tradition of the two natures of Christ of Jesus uh, and basically what what we're saying is that Jesus is at the same time fully human and fully divine fully God and fully man at the same time so this this again breaks up our dualistic thinking so why I mean this this is really old stuff too I mean this is uh, this this dates all the way back to the Council of Nicaea, which I'm not going to give a big history lesson about that. If if you're interested in that, look up the the Council of Nicaea. There was a bunch of people arguing about these things, and of course, uh, there's going to be a full spectrum of of beliefs, and that's that's true. That's real life. Um, but they kind of came to a general consensus about these things, like the Trinity. As a matter of fact. The Trinity is not even a biblical concept in a sense that that word is nowhere in the Bible. Um, but the scriptures point to these ideas, these concepts of God being Trinitarian. And the same is true with Jesus. You know, we kind of infer a lot of these things based on what we are reading um, and what we uh, are kind of figuring out as we go along, that Jesus was somehow both human and divine at the same time two natures so really what this does for us is it opens us wide to new possibilities you know that that, that truth is not one-dimensional but multi-dimensional and that more than one thing can be true at the same time so and it's 
it, it opens us into more and more wonder and, and the mystery of life as it's unfolding. And as we continue to learn, we don't get to the end. Uh, it's like you just you, you flip on another light switch and then you realize the warehouse just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So here is um, another theological concept and this one is more biblical, meaning it's just straight out of the Hebrew scriptures. And that is, from the very beginning, that humanity was made in the image of God. So we, all of us, we are made in the, in the same image that God exists. So if, if what we're saying about uh, the Trinity is true, that there's this Trinitarian form, that there's diversity and unity, it makes sense that we also are made with diversity and yet unity. So, and the divine nature of God is in us and in all of us. All of us hold the image of God because we are created with this. And that is a God-given gift, a God-given birthright. And I love this concept because it helps us see that everyone alive is made in the image of God. And so we have to honor that and respect that and see the image of God in every single living soul. So uh, there's two parts to that. We are made in the image of God, but then there's also the likeness of God that we somehow are falling short of and yet are on a process of going towards. So we are made in the image of God. That's like given. But then we are working towards being in the full likeness of God. So that, that brings me to a lot of questions. You know, what does that mean, first of all? And what does that look like? How do we become more and more God-like, more divine-like, more Christ-like? Um, in, in the church, we have a lot of words for this process. Of course, salvation, um, sanctification, which is kind of more of an ongoing progress, uh, process. We talk about working out our salvation, you know, uh, our ongoing liberation. And there's a lot of conversation about how this works because, you know, one of the things that Christians get really uh, kind of nervous about, I think it's kind of a heresy, is to say that somehow we have anything to do with our salvation. You know, it's, it's a really big deal to say that, well, you know, God is the one saving us. Jesus is the one saving us. Um, and so there's this idea that you don't want to be talking about works righteousness, meaning that somehow you can become righteous because of what you have done. Well, I kind of want to just blow up that idea because works righteousness is not even possible. Show me one person who has done anything without the help of God. They wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for God. This whole life experience is covered in grace, which is a word we use for God's unearned love. 
and remember, uh, I talked about this in the Limitless podcast, that God is love. God is love itself. And it's people like C.S. Lewis have talked about this. That what this what this means is, it, within God's very being, there is this recip- uh, reciprocity. I'm not going to be able to say that word really w- well right now. Uh, reciprocal giving and receiving. And that's what we're talking about with this trinity, this three beings. I don't even think I've named the the three par- the three persons on this podcast yet, but what I, what I've been talking about is God the creator, God the uh liberator, and and God the the spirit. And so these three these three persons are one, but three, and they exist within a Trinitarian divine dance. So God is one, and God is many. God is unity, and God is diversity at the very same time. So it's also not uniformity. We're not all supposed to be alike. We're supposed to be different because we're made in the image of God. We're supposed to not be exactly like one another, but we are supposed to recognize our oneness, our unity. So this reminds me of an, of an old uh, campfire song, worship song that we used to sing. Uh, they'll know we are Christians by our love. And the first line is, we are one in the spirit. We are one. Which I always thought is a beautiful thing to say, but it's not true. (laughs) We're not. Uh, But that is the goal. I mean, that is even what Jesus prayed. Of course, this this is interesting because Jesus, who is as we say, God in the flesh, is praying to God, the loving parent, um, with the Spirit, praying and, and saying in the same way that we are one, in the same way that Jesus and God are one, I pray that we would all be made one. And so this this really is uh, the prayer that, that my song Uh, really picks up on is in the same way that God is three and one, we are meant to be many, diverse, with, with, in every single way, and yet also one. And, and how we are to be known is by our love, as that song says, they'll know we are Christians by our love. Well, unfortunately, that's not what Christians are known for right now. Um, Christians are known for a lot of things. Um, Being judgmental, you know, being uh, affiliated with a specific, maybe politics. Um, There's there's a lot of things that Christians, you know, being Um, narrow-minded. There's a lot of uh, hypocrisy and, you know, you could go on and name all kinds of things that Christians are actually known for but we're supposed to be known by our love 
I'd like to say a quick note, too, about the state of my denomination, the United Methodist Church. Uh, we recently had our virtual annual conference, and I'm part of the Western North Carolina Conference. And one of the main things that we had to do um, as clergy and as members of the annual conference was to vote on this number of churches leaving the denomination. And yes, we, we vote on that. And we, we vote on everything. I mean, we vote for people to retire. You know, we vote uh, for the people to be ordained. We, we, it's, all, it's all voted on. And, you know, of course, I didn't want to vote to say that they could leave. I didn't want to see anyone go anywhere because I believe in the unity. But, of course, I voted yes because, uh, you know, no relationship should be forced. It has to be consensual. We're not going to force anyone to be a part of us that uh, doesn't want to be a part of us. Our, our bishop, uh, Leland, emphasized in his sermon this these ideas, these ideals of unity and reform, that this is part of our, of our tradition, of our ongoing conversations, is unity, but also reform, meaning everything doesn't stay the same forever. But what do you do when people disagree about what that reform looks like? Well, I have a lot of mixed feelings about this, a lot of thoughts about this, but I'm not going to go into all of them now. Maybe I will uh, at a future episode. Um, by the way, just a, a side shout out, I'm sure you're, you're hearing my boys um, in the background as well. They are doing what they do best, which is play and have the best time ever. And then all of a sudden they're at each other's throats and yelling at each other and fighting. Um, but they do love each other. <laughs> hey, that might actually be um, part of our conversation as unity and diversity. We don't always see the same, but we can still love each other. Huh. I wasn't even planning on that. Um, but so for now, I'd, these are some of the questions I'm wrestling with. Okay, so one of the questions is, is it good? <laughs> Here I go again with dualistic thinking. Um, is there value in having a wide variety of denominations? Well, I would say yes, because there needs to be, you know, a wide variety of places, of, of faith communities, of, of belonging because there's a wide variety of needs to be met. And so I would say, in general, that that is a good thing. Um, but I also think that there is a, a, a place for ecumenical movements. Uh, and so the ecumenical mo movement is basically multiple denominations, multiple religions even, uh, coming together for dialogue, for common purposes. Um, so, and some people think that those are a waste of time or even dangerous because it might, you know, take you outside of what your particular tribe or denomination is trying to make you kind of stay in your lane, make sure you believe the right things. Um, but I think ecumenical movements are great because it's a perfect example of unity and diversity at the same time time. So that leads me to really this question, which I go back to all the time is what is the main point of religion to begin with? 
What is the point of having a religion or, or practicing uh, any type of spiritual um, organized re- religion? And I, I think that perennial wisdom would probably say, overall, it's about learning how to grow in love through a connection with the divine. So by connecting with this spirit, this something bigger than us, we can learn to grow in love for each other and for all things. And, and there's no better way to grow in love than to embrace diversity and yet unity. So uh, at this time, I would love to share with you this song called One. And I send positive vibes. I pray that this song could be experienced in the same spirit of diversity and unity that we were created in. And that same spirit of diversity and unity that we are working towards being in the full likeness of. So as we continue to continue to figure it out, still trying to figure it out, may we embrace what, what makes us different. May we celebrate our differences and may we embrace our oneness, our unity, that we are here on this one earth this one planet that we have to share there is this spirit of love that is alive that brings us together that we can participate in and can and continue to have our differing opinions our different views our different perspectives and we can hold all of those together and say we are being made one despite our differences We can be both one and many at the same time.
just one 